Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Emma Chison. She is cannabis educator and a co-founder of Eminent Consulting. We're going to talk to her about the work that she's been doing in cannabis. She's been in this for a while. She has a lot of accolades and knowledge about cannabis and how cannabis can really be applied in lots of different areas. I'm always fascinated on talking with folks that are in the cannabis space and helping kind of develop the market, educate consumers, customers of cannabis, and really kind of finding out where are we as an industry. Obviously, you know, a, a rapidly growing industry, a lot of new people coming into space, and they're struggling with a lot of the things that you have to figure out when you started getting involved in cannabis. And obviously, there's there's things we know, things we don't know, and things we're trying to figure out. So, you know, as, as we're kind of staying up to date on the information on, on what it does, how it does it, is an important part of educating the customers, educating the, the population of folks that are interested in using cannabis. So with that, Emma, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me, Bruce. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time. Let's start with just kind of background. How, you know, what was your professional background? How did you get involved in cannabis? Tell a little the story of what got you here today. Sure. So I joined the 
legal regulated cannabis industry in Oregon about five and a half years ago now. And I was coming from an academic background. So I had graduated from Brown University in 2014 with a specialized biology degree focusing on medicinal plant research and ethnobotany, and then kind of immediately transitioned to role at the Brown University Oncology Research Group, where I was assisting in the coordination of oncology trials nationwide. And I naively thought that that could be my place to kind of pull in cannabis. The, the timeline here is around 2014, 2015. And so especially on the East Coast, cannabis was just starting to get a really good rap for its therapeutic efficacy. And I almost got the opportunity to help devise a cannabis trial when a professor from Brown did propose that to my supervisor. But unfortunately, due to legal limitations and yeah. the like, she she rejected that and shortly thereafter left that position to pursue something that was more in line with my passion, which was around the therapeutic efficacy of all medicinal plants. And I saw cannabis as the the superstar of that category. And so I drove across the country to Portland, hoping that I could kind of get involved in the cannabis research sector. But unfortunately, again, at that time, there were just hardly any opportunities um, within that sphere. And so I joined through a different sector and I entered into the industry as a bud tender. So entry level dispensary. And I I thought I was only going to be there for a couple of months, but I found that that was really an opportunity for me to marry my love of cannabis science and pharmacokinetics while also being able to connect with patients and being able to explain kind of how cannabis could work for them physiologically. And so I kind of ran with that, quickly became general manager at that dispensary, and then really focused in on what I see as a, a real lack of education. And especially, I mean, five, six years ago, there was not many educational opportunities focusing on the fundamentals of cannabis science for industry professionals. It was kind of like, okay, you were hired and you were immediately put onto that sales floor (laughs) with not much training at all. Just go sell weed. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Oh, you love weed? Great. You'll be great at selling it. And just pop it right on the sales floor. Where where kind of my thesis there was no, actually, it's it's not only a disservice to patients, but it's also a liability for these businesses to not to not provide training on the fundamentals of cannabis science as well as, you know, HR practices, security, compliance to your bud tenders um, before they do actually make their first sale. So the rest is kind of history there. After I left the dispensary, I started my own consulting practice that eventually became Eminent Consulting. And I joined forces with my business partner and we really focused in on this mission of, okay, how do we bring education to industry professionals and to the public in a way that's accessible, in a way that really empowers the industry to, to ethically evolve. Yeah. I'm curious, and this might be a subtle difference or a distinction. How do you think about educating customers versus educating professionals? I mean, what what is, is there a difference? What's the difference? Why is there a difference for you in terms of these two different groups? Sure. Yeah. I think that it's really important to educate at kind of all points of the supply chain, if you will. So not only B2B, but also B2C. I think mm-hmm. that if we kind of target the industry professionals and really understand that the bud tenders at this time are the patient's number one primary resource for information around cannabis, especially considering the limitations that healthcare providers are still under, not only 
legally, but also in their own, you know, limited access to educational information around cannabis that patients are going to the the retail cannabis consultants, the bud tenders to ask questions about therapeutic concerns that their doctors often can't answer. So I think it's highly important that we prepare that, you know, workforce to be able to compliantly and responsibly guide patients through integrating cannabis into their lifestyle responsibly, talking about compound ratios, talking about consumption guidelines, dosing strategies, titration of dose, and just in general, you know, the differences between the allopathic model of you take a certain pharmaceutical or you take even an ibuprofen and you have a certain set of very predicted effects where that's not quite the case in cannabis. It's highly variable. It requires some more experimentation. So I do believe it's really important that we arm the bud tenders with as much information as possible to be able to responsibly guide patients. But I also think that it is important in almost a public health sense to put out information, intelligent scientific evidence around the way that cannabis can, might work in our bodies and really focusing in more on the consumption strategy there. That's what I've seen from the patient population. Mm -hmm. They want to know information about dose, about actual use. How do I use this? How much do I take? How how long do I take it for? And so So making sure that that information is accessible is just as important as making sure the workforce is appropriately trained to respond to to the patient questions. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm curious your take, and, and this may be a complicated question to answer, but your take on how you know the cannabis industry in the U.S. Have, has kind of developed for for all sorts of reasons around this kind of medical side and this adult use or rec side, and it's just a fascinating kind of situation, I guess, in, in terms of a structure of the industry. I mean, f- from your point of view, what has worked about that? What has not worked about that? I mean, is this but I, you know, the the medical side theoretically is, you know, for people who are treating specific medical conditions in some way. I mean, some of them quite severe, some of them more kind of minor, but still impacting people's lives. And then this adult use side is more this recreational side, but I think still involves people self-medicating in a lot of ways. Like, how, how do you draw the distinction? Like, how do you deal with the fact that we have this kind of two-part program? Like, give me, give me your take on this whole situation we're in. It's a hard distinction yeah. to draw. I mean, medical and recreational, the lines are really blurred when we look at you cases. So even if you are somebody who is, you know, who doesn't have a medical card, who doesn't have a patient card, who's over 21, who's going to purchase cannabis in a dispensary, and maybe it's just for stress relief. Maybe it's just to replace that glass of wine at the end of a busy workday. Well, who's to say that that's not therapeutic in essence? Yeah. Um, and I, I think that it's important. And in the way that I approach, especially the kind of education around cannabis is to understand that it is a medicinal plant and it will have therapeutic uses. And dependent on how you use it, even if it's for stress relief, anxiety relief, even if it's just to, you know, chill out at the end of the day, that's still therapeutic for you. And so how can we get you the experience that you're looking for? And that's very similar to when we talk about you know more medical ailments or more um, medically driven concerns from patients. I think that it takes maybe a bit more of a nuanced approach. It takes more of a kind of intimate conversation with patients who do have more severe medical ailments. So if we're looking at seizure disorders or different 
types of cancer when they are especially on other pharmaceutical drugs, et cetera. I mean, it's going to take more kind of conscious work and practice. And that's where I truly believe that healthcare providers do need to be involved, that they need to have access to education around cannabis so that they could also support their patients. And, you know, in addition to being protected where they can talk about cannabis without losing their license. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, I believe that that needs to be a piece of the puzzle when we look at medical. But I, I really think that even in the adult use recreational paradigm that we can still talk about cannabis from a therapeutic perspective. And in fact, we should. Yeah, well, because I think whether whether it's people self-medicating through recreational sort of cannabis programs or, you know, not not through a medical program, but just going into the dispensary on their own or, you know, knowingly or unknowingly (laughs) figuring out that they're using cannabis for for therapeutic purposes, I guess, how does it and then how does that or what are the implications from kind of the bud tender point of view? Because I, I just I find it fascinating that from an industry point of view, all this comes down to this person who you know, unfortunately is not paid a whole lot of money to actually navigate these issues and, you know, not only sort of diagnose themselves and figuring out what's going to apply, but then navigating products and, you know, all the different, you know, facets of cannabis products, whether it's the cultivars or the the mode of, you know, how you're going to consume all those things. Like how does this structure then the bud tender profession from your point of view? Mm, yeah, I mean, that's a really great point. And in my experience as a bud tender, as well as speaking with yeah. a lot of different bud tenders in my career, I mean, the the need for more education and the requirement of more responsibility for this yeah. group of people does necessitate at least a living wage as well as some upward mobility potential and educational opportunity. From what I've seen, there are really kind of smart, driven, tenacious, intellectually curious people who want to enter into the cannabis industry. It's a really exciting time, especially through the pandemic that we've all been living through and the fact that cannabis is deemed essential. There feels like there's a lot of opportunity in this industry. And so you do have a lot of smart people who want to enter the workforce. However, I mean, when you go to enter into a job and you're in an entry level position, such as bud tending, and you see that like, oh, I'm going to start at 1250 an hour. Mm-hmm. And, and that was my experience. I was offered 1250 an hour and I was like, I don't want to do this. I mean, I'm coming from the world of research, right? I, yeah. I like what? Um, but it was my kind of determination to know I, I want to grow in this industry. So I'm going to, you know, take the pay cut and, and hustle hard. Yeah. And what kept me in my position was the opportunity for upward mobility, as well as educational opportunity. There was this empowerment from management as well as ownership to say, okay, we want you to have a hand in making this dispensary the best it can be. And and really, they gave me a lot of freedom in doing my own kind of self-study and devising my own standard operating procedures within the dispensary. And that kept me engaged. That kept me there. A lot of dispensaries, especially now in more established states that have been operating for a few years, it is very much just a retail job of, okay, you come in, you know, you stock inventory, you check people out. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no real opportunity for upward mobility. There is no opportunity for educational empowerment. And unfortunately, that makes a lot of driven people say, well, this is not worth it. I'm not being challenged and I don't feel like I'm growing. And so I don't want to be here and I'll try something different. And so we need to keep those people. We need to keep those people who come in with, you know, the desire to make an impact and to grow and evolve this industry. And, And the way that we do that is, of course, providing a higher wage as well as providing them with certain upward mobility and and educational opportunities. 
Yeah. And how, I guess, what, what are your thoughts or strategies around providing kind of general education for people that are, you know, using cannabis or curious about cannabis that they can kind of do on their own and self-navigate versus the things that are really best done, you know, with with some, you know, whether it's a bud tender or other kind of kind of expert or consultant or navigator, you know, whether it's uh, online or direct connection or actually in the dispensary, you know, as a bud tender. I guess, how, how do you see sort of different opportunities for people to get this information from different sources? I think when we talk about the bud tenders, when we talk about the workforce, the ownership or management has to provide a certain training period during onboarding. So there has to be a two-week training period where they go through certain modules, whether they're outsourced or done within the dispensary. And that's where I have created with my business partner this you know, cannabis education program that really is designed for ownership or management to purchase for a group of staff that then they can take these video modules and, and go through assessments and get a certificate at the end of it to feel like they are best prepared with all the information that they need to know to guide and advise a patient through the process. Now on the actual patient or consumer side of things, I think podcasts are amazing, especially in cannabis. We have a lot of really, really great podcasts such as this one where, (laughs) I mean, you can, you can get a ton of information for free, which is awesome. Um, And also now in the very much digital age where there are constantly webinars and different, you know, online panels and publications that you can explore. That's been really fun to see over the last half a decade of that kind of explosion of media in the space. Whereas when I started, I mean, there was hardly any, any information out there that was reputable. You know, the, the closest thing was Leafly. And at the time, I mean, they, they did not have their build out of, you know, real Mm -hmm. science focused content there. And the rest that we had were kind of blog media sites where you had no idea where this information is coming from. So now with, you know, the advance of just tons of media with experts in the space that can kind of provide you with information of, of where to look and where to go is wonderful. I think that for especially first time patients, new consumers, often what I advise them to be thinking about is more along the lines of their personal consumption. So what kind of experience do you want to have? Do you want to have any specific symptom relief? What are your therapeutic goals here? And coming to a bud tender with that, you know, confidence and understanding of, okay, this is the type of experience I want. I may not know what type of cannabis will get me that experience, but that's the bud tender's job, right? Is to be able to digest the experience that the customer wants and say, okay, these are, these are great options for you to, to try. And so that kind of preparation on the patient side, I think really helps to kind of make the whole experience just more efficient ultimately. Yeah. And I'm curious at this point, what do you feel confident in saying that we know about Cadmus and what it can do? What do we you know, highly suspect it can do, but we don't necessarily have, you know, good, you know, scientific research around. And what are the things that are kind of dubious claims that you're careful about, you know, people say that it can do, but we, it's not really clear that it's, it's something that cannabis can really do. You know, I'm, I'm curious how, how you kind of categorize what we know and what we don't know in this, in this world that we're in at this point. Mm, yes. So there's, there's actually very little conclusive evidence as to what cannabis can do. And when I say conclusive evidence, it has been, you know, proven in scientific trials that have been repeated and and we see the same outcome there. Certain kind of cases or or therapeutic properties that cannabis can hold as far as kind of conclusive evidence is that it does help with pain. Now pain is a very broad kind of 
topic, but it does help to reduce pain in most patients. It can have a positive therapeutic impact on seizure disorders, and it also can help to reduce nausea in in many different types of cancers. Now, we do have a lot of other evidence that is uh, substantial. So it's not conclusive, but there is substantial evidence that cannabis can help with a variety of other ailments, that it can act as an anti-inflammatory, that it can help to reduce anxiety, it can help to alleviate depression, it can help with gastrointestinal issues, it can help with a myriad of other symptoms and ailments. I think that when it comes to education, we do have enough of the idea of what cannabis do. We have enough of a piece of a puzzle to be able to begin the dialogue around cannabis in a more intelligent way. And, And what I mean by that is kind of moving beyond the indica sativa distinction of the way that we categorize use experience and moving into an actual look at the compounds found in the cannabis matrix themselves. And the industry is absolutely moving in this direction, which is really exciting to see. So looking at the compounds that we're inhaling or ingesting as the determinants of the experience that we might have. And so instead of talking about, well, this is a 70% indica, 30% sativa, so it's going to make you feel mostly sleepy. It's, well, this particular batch of this variety has a high concentration of THC and has terpenes such as myrcene and beta-carophyllene and humulene or whatever it may be. And, and using the scientific data that we have on those individual compounds and being able to extrapolate that into a prediction of experience for patients. And that's really what I am advocating for, especially on the kind of work force industry professional side of things that that is a responsibility of industry professionals that we have to look at the current scientific research that's out there and adapt in a way where we can explain cannabis in a more intelligent paradigm so that we can better predict experience for these patients. We can also, you know, talk about dosing strategies that have been around for centuries with medicinal plants, where we look to microdosing, we look to a regimented titration of dose in order to get to a specific personal optimal dose for each patient. Those are things that everyone should be talking about. Everyone should be recommending, especially on the industry side of things for new patients. I think when it gets really tricky is when anybody tries to make a particular curative claim around cannabis. Um, I also think that it almost gets to an absurd place, especially we've seen it with CBD of just how much it's incorporated into, I mean, there are CBD pillows, there are, there's CBD hummus. Like there are, there are so many now products that have CBD just because of the explosion of interest in the wellness properties of CBD, which yes, I mean, there are a wide variety of potential therapeutic properties. However, if you lay your head on a CBD pillow every night, if you <laughs> lay your head on a CBD pillow every night, mm, like, okay. is that yeah. probably not, you know? Yeah. So, so I mean, I think that that's where we get into a little bit. Uh, trickier territory is when anybody tries to say, well, this one compound or this one product, or even this one plant, the cannabis will, you know, cure all of these ailments that you are suffering from in your life. That that's just not true. It is a very beneficial, can be a very beneficial tool to have in your therapeutic arsenal. And it can have some wonderful properties. However, it's not going to, you know, cure you right off the bat. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a magic elixir. I'm curious on your take on kind of the product side of of this cannabis industry. I mean, as 
we kind of shift. I, I think for a long time, everything was focused on ultra high THC levels, right? Like how much THC can I pack into the smallest package possible? And I think that's, you know, it's evolving somewhat. But as you look at the products available on the market, where do you see, you know, products that have, are particularly well kind of designed and produced for helping make this kind of process easier or giving customers tools that they can effectively use to address their needs? And, and where do you see some of these products, you know, not being as helpful or, or I guess not as aligned with, you know, more of a therapeutic approach to the use of cannabis? In the product formulation kind of zone, I'm really always excited to see full spectrum manufacturing. Mm-hmm. So making sure that through the extraction methodology that they are retaining as many of those, you know, original compounds, retaining the fingerprint of the plant material, as I call it, in the actual final product, as I am a supporter of the entourage or ensemble effect that states that all of those compounds are working together synergistically to produce a therapeutic experience. So I think that that's really important to retain in your your finished products. I also think when we look about kind of, you know, consumption and the way in which we consume that inhalation or sublingual ingestion is going to be kind of your most bioavailable methods. So that will allow the compounds to enter into your bloodstream most quickly and efficiently. I'm also a big fan of ingestion, but I think that when we look at, you know, the bioavailability, especially of something like a CBD or terpenes through the digestive system, it does reduce compared to inhalation or a mucosal delivery system. I also am really excited to see the beginning of including supportive botanicals in your formulation along with cannabis. While cannabis, as I said at the beginning of this conversation, is the all-star plant medicine, you know, that's kind of leading the charge. It has a whole army of medicinal plants behind it that really can help to support its efficacy. And even with, you know, the advancement of understanding medicinal mushrooms, not even psychedelic mushrooms, but just therapeutic mushrooms and including those um, in formulations along with cannabis as well, that is really, really exciting to me. I think that that definitely maximizes the potential for therapeutic efficacy in, in patients dependent on what they're they're looking for. As far as the kind of way that the product is marketed, I think that it is very important to have educational marketing material. So little brochures, you know, that discuss even what cannabis is or what compounds are or what extraction methodology was used to make yeah. this product, how to use it, the dosing strategy there. I mean, it is, it's amazing to me when I do receive product samples and I mean, it could have been formulated in the most beautiful way. But they're missing, you know, some key kind of dosing information there where it's hard to say how much compounds are in a single dose, where that's a really important thing for a consumer to know and to have access to. And so providing those little brochures, rack cards, even having a website that includes specs on the product and, and even a blog that discusses more in depth the rationale behind this this product formulation, I think, is incredibly important. And I've seen those products that do include that kind of information be more successful than products, you know, that just go the route of, well, it is it's legal weed, so people are just gonna buy it and love it. And it's like, <laughs> well, no, actually, especially as we advance this yeah. this industry, I mean, there's a lot of competition here. And so you need to make sure that you're providing your patients with the information they need to have a successful experience with your product. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen some unfortunate stuff like I I, I can't, I'm, I'm not going to call out any brands. I probably actually can't remember it, but 
you know, I think it was a gummy brand. And, and you look at the dosing information, it says, well, one, you know, one dose is five milligrams of, you know, THC, five milligrams of CBD and everything. And then you read down below, it's like, oh, well, one gummy is two doses. Mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> you know, and people are popping up in this container and thinking they're going to get, you know, and they just, they take a, a unit, they take one gummy and not realizing that's really two doses. And so now we've just created the situation where, you know, people, in fact, it would have been better the other way. <laughs> it's like, well, one dose is two gummies, but at least people would have been, you know, naturally microdosing. But, yes. you know, just not thinking through like, how is, how is someone going to really use this? How is it going to affect their experience? And then how is it going to come across in the industry? I think it just, you know, unfortunately, I, I hear lots of bad experiences with people starting or trying to use cannabis and then that, you know, proliferates and now we've got, you know, a problem because, you know, they tell 10 of their friends when they have a problem, right? And then that creates, you know, an issue for the industry. So I just think that uh, a lot of the product stuff, you know, whether it's the formulation, the package design, the product, you know, actual dosing and things like that, like we're still, there's still work to be done. Completely, (laughs) completely. Yes. And and I, I often say that, I mean, the industry as it stands now can't afford to lose any consumers. We, in fact, need to adopt more consumers. Considering how many people want to participate um, in the actual industry itself, the the rate of consumption is very slowly growing. And so we as an industry can't afford to keep creating products that leave room for people to have bad experiences. And I mean, the edible example is a perfect example where most people have who have tried cannabis have had a bad edible experience. And so you need to be really clear and explicit on dosing strategies and recommended dose um, when you do put out edible products. Yeah. And as you look at the kind of the growth of the industry, I mean, we've, we've got several new states that are now, you know, developing adult use programs, you know, obviously a lot of product development, talk of, you know, changes in the federal laws. I mean, how, where do you think the growth of the industry is going to be sort of coming from? Who, what is going to be the shifts in the market in terms of who's using cannabis, why they're using cannabis? What would you anticipate or what do you think you should, people should be focused on in terms of how the market is going to change over the, you know, the coming years? I think this next year, especially, we're going to see explosive growth from the industry side of things with New Jersey coming online, as well as Mississippi down south. So, I mean, it kind of started with Oklahoma and now Mississippi is coming online. So we're really starting to see the south get on board, which is exciting. I mean, especially when we look to a huge state like Texas with incredible opportunity there. Um, It may be a little bit, you know, before we see that. But with Mississippi and Oklahoma having such designed such free market programs for cannabis, I think it's going to put a lot of pressure on the surrounding states. And and I'll make that prediction for New Jersey as well. New Jersey being adult use, I mean, it's going to act as the kind of keystone state in that area that's going to put a lot of pressure on New York. We're already seeing Governor Cuomo kind of, you know, talk about that and tease legislation as he has done in the past, but also Pennsylvania. So from an industry growth standpoint, it's going to be fairly explosive. I'll say from a consumer standpoint, the demographics that I've seen growing most steadily are people over 65 and kind of the the boomer generation who they are witnessing the rapid adoption of cannabis by states and by markets. And they're also, you know, coming into an age where they may be experiencing more physical ailments than they have before. They may be on more pharmaceutical pills than they necessarily want to be. And they may 
look to cannabis as an alternative to supplement that and to improve their quality of life. And with those demographic groups, it is, you know, typically through word of mouth. So just as you said, if one person had a bad experience, they're going to tell all their friends. If one person has a good experience, they're going to tell all their friends and especially women, women, you know, Mm -hmm. women are historically kind of the, the decision makers when it comes to purchasing of household goods, consumable goods and cannabis can fall under that category. And they also have major influence in their social circles. So this group, you know, of people who have been, you know, historically maybe not so keen on cannabis, especially through prohibition are now, you know, coming to talk to their, their book clubs and their social circles about what cannabis has done for their sister or their brother and and how they're starting to dip their toe in. And I I think that we'll continue to see the, the rate of adoption in those kind of um, in those demographic groups grow. And that leaves incredible opportunity for product companies to really start marketing to those groups. Cause that is an area that has not really been filled as of yet. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's a fascinating segment of the market that is is just kind of coming online and and will be a, a huge growth opportunity and is so vastly different. I, I won't say sort of the antithesis of traditional pop culture, but is certainly you know a, a very different you know mindset and thinking. You know whether we're overcoming kind of the stigma, but even just like why they're engaging in it, what they hope to get out of it. You know, kind of the parameters of the aging in it, what they hope to get out of it. You know, kind of the parameters of the experience that they want. Is, is see how it plays out in the, in the um, you know in the market. Absolutely. Yeah, Emma, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about the work that you do, what's the best way to get that information? Please visit my website. It's eminentconsultingfirm.com. Great. I'll make sure that the link is in the show notes. Encourage everyone to check that out. I think this education and and really making sure that we know how to help navigate the products and how help people you know use cannabis to this best kind of effect is going to be a huge part of developing this industry. So I really appreciate the time. It's been a pleasure and thank you for joining me today. Yeah. Oh, it's been my pleasure completely. Thanks so much for having me. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.